things or in the background is Psalm 139. So you're wondering why is that? And so anyway, um, listen, our, our message this morning is entitled Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous Prayers. Um, have you ever asked someone a question, but you sort of really, like you wanted to know the answer, but you kind of like didn't really, or you were a little anxious about what the answer might be? Maybe you really opened up to someone and, uh, and you, you knew that you were, you were placing yourself in a vulnerable position by asking the question. And maybe it was someone who was really close to you, like, like, like uh, husbands. I, I'll say husbands, but wives too. Have you ever asked your spouse, like, how am I doing, like, as a husband? Am I, am I doing Okay. Uh, am I am I am I all right? And you asked that question because you really wanted to know, and you took the time to listen without responding, or as husbands, maybe your wife was saying, "Well," and you're getting defensive. And I knew it. I should not have. You know, I mean, like you're not formulating an answer. You ever ask a question, and when someone starts to answer it, you start formulating your response even before they're done. You guys don't do that? Okay, just me then. All right. You know, I, uh, I asked one of my kids one time, I, I said, so, so how am I doing? How am I doing? And they're like, what? I'm like, man, that's a dad. I mean, I'm like, what, what do you, am I, am I okay? Am I doing well here? Or am I struggling? What, what, what do you got? It was like, uh, <laughs> I just kind of went, oh, no, I'm not sure. I'm like, okay, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this. What about at your job where maybe you ask someone in the office, when you say, hey, you know what, do you see anything like, like in my work that maybe I could improve on or, or how, how do you think I'm, I'm doing here? And let's say you're the manager and you ask the subordinate that, like, what? You, why would you ask them? Ah, uh, yeah. Ever ask a question where you just like, you, you really kind of wanted to hear the answer, but you're a little anxious maybe about what? That answer uh, might be, well, here's the truth about those kinds of questions. The truth is, is that those kinds of questions sometimes can be hurtful. And sometimes they can involve fear or maybe anger. Um, like, you know what? I would just rather not know. I think, however, though, that when you can ask those kinds of questions, that there's a depth of relationship that happens, Right? There's a vulnerability that happens. And so uh, there's a book called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, and he's like a, 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 a modern leadership guru. And, and he says this. He calls it vulnerability-based trust. He says this is the kind where people are comfortable being transparent and vulnerable and can genuinely say things like, I screwed up, I need help, or your idea is better than mine. He goes on and say, says at the at the heart of vulnerability lies the willingness of people to abandon their pride and fear and to sacrifice their egos for the collective good of the team. That's good stuff, all right? Or maybe, maybe the question was a question that you asked God, a question that you went to the Lord with. Um, when I was um, a, a, a become born again, a Christian, and I was single. 
And so I came into the kingdom of God as a single man, so I was trying to figure all that out, right? And one of the things I, I you know, I, I just, in one particular time, I was just sort of frustrated. And, and as a single man, you know, I, I kind of had my highs and my lows, right? I mean, that's just how it went. It wasn't like, oh, I'm trusting in the Lord, and that's not a worry at all. No, I was a dude who, like, I, like, I really didn't want to be like a bachelor to the rapture. You know, we had, we had, these, we had these men, these, these young men in the church, and, and they were all gung-ho for the Lord. And Paul the Apostle says, you know what, man? You don't, man, you don't need to be married and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, right, man. You, you're telling me you go to these weddings, and you're not thinking, hey, Lord, what about me? You know, I mean, is this ever, you know, anyway. I was kind of in one of those moments, and I, um, so I just, uh, I just went to the Lord in prayer. Because and, and, I, I just had this fear that maybe I was never going to be married. And I thought, you know what, I'm tired of, at least, I said, okay, Lord, Lord, am I, am, like, am, will I be married one day? And just, I'm just, you know, communicating with the Lord. And I kind of went, ah, because I figured that if I was going to be single the rest of my life, I was just going to get geared up for it and just like, you know, all right, let's put all this to the side. And let's just stay focused as best we can. And I just wanted to know. But at, at the same time, I was like, oh, Lord. And, and you know what? I just felt like the Lord whispered to me, yes. And I went, hallelujah. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. And, and then, since it was getting good, you know, I was like, okay, Lord, so, so who is she? I, I did. That's just what I said. I said, who is she? Yeah. Uh, later. Wait, this is my story, man. Come on. You feel it. This ain't fill in the blank, bro. Right, what do you think he said? I didn't ask that, man. Anyway, but what he did say to me, and again, it was just, he just whispered to my heart. I said, who is she, Lord? Because it's like, now that I know that I'm going to be married, where is she at, right? And the Lord just whispered and said, I'm busy preparing her. And I went, oh, and I think he was busy preparing me, too, uh, while I add that. Okay, so um, you ever ask the Lord a dangerous prayer? I'm not saying that was a dangerous prayer, but it sure meant a lot to me. And you ever ask the Lord a dangerous prayer? A prayer that was just not safe. And it was, like, risky, right? Okay, well, I think there are things that make prayers dangerous, and I think the Lord loves when his kids go to him with that kind of trust and that kind of vulnerability. So um, a dangerous prayer is one that requires a depth of relationship. Like you wouldn't ask somebody a question that's that deep if you didn't have a, you know, an established relationship with them. It requires faith. Uh, it requires an, an element of the unknown. Sometimes we don't ask God these questions because... Man, I don't know what the answer is going to be. You ever, you ever go to the Lord in prayer and you ask him something and you're thinking this is the answer and he goes, oh, no, no, the answer is over here. And you're like, no way, no, that can't be it. And, and it is, right? There's, there's vulnerability and transparency. Uh, likely, I think a dangerous prayer is something that, that shows us something about us that we might need to face and maybe it causes us to do something that might be a little risky or a little uncomfortable, right? Okay, it could be. So in Psalm chapter 139, 
Um, the, you can turn there. I'll have it on the screens or open up your smartphone app or whatever it is. Um, the Bible describes God as a God that knows all things. We call that his omniscience. He knows everything. And if you think about it, why would you worship a God that didn't know everything? I mean, um, we believe, for example, in some people do believe in this element of karma, and they believe that everything will work out in the end and that everything happens for reasons. Some people who maybe don't have faith in God believe that, which I would question and I would say, why uh, does everything work out in the end? Why would it? And then if it does, who's in charge of that? Like, who makes sure that everything works out in the end? Who, you know, the old saying is, oh, what goes around comes around. Does it? And how do we know that to be absolutely true? Well, it's something within us that really wants to believe that. And as followers of the Bible, we believe that all things do work together. And we do believe... That, that there is a God who is a just God, and he's just because he knows all things. That's called his omniscience. Everybody say omniscience. And so in Psalm 139, David is praying uh, or, or uh, singing a song about the omniscience of God. And in verse 1, the first thing he says is, Oh, Lord, you know me. You know me. And there are other ver versions of that that we'll get to, but he says... According to King David, when I sat down and when I stood up, uh, you know my every thought, my every habit, habit you know my every step. Uh, you knew me, God, before I was born. Verse 15 says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. And because of God's amazing wisdom, David bursts out in song and thanks him for creating him, for keeping him. And he says, Lord, you'll keep me even if I ascend to the heavens or if I descend to the grave or if I go to the furthest part of the ocean, even if I covered myself with the blackness of night, God, you're there with me. And then finally he thanks God for thinking about him. And this is kind of a scripture for you today just to know how much God thinks about you. The psalmist, uh, King David says this in verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. David says, that's how much you think about me. It is, you, it, it is infinite. We believe in a God who's an infinite God who's not bound by, by time or, or space or matter, who created energy, and therefore he's outside of all those things. And so when we talk of infinity, that's the realm that God exists in. Therefore, his thoughts toward you are infinite. Now, does that make you feel good today that God is, his thoughts toward you are like infinite? You can't count them. Now, the context of Psalm 139 is that David's enemies are out to get him. And so first he gives this high praise and this song of worship to God's omniscience. And, and then he gets down to the reality of a situation that he's in. And he says in verse 19, Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with a total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. And he's like, God, you know, 
he's got these enemies all around me. And so instead of defending himself, David does something. He's got these enemies that are around him in, in a context. Then he says something that we don't expect. He sort of prays a prayer where he looks inward right after that. He looks inward. And, and this is what he says, Psalm 139, 23. He says, search me. Everybody say, search me. Oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. How many of you are glad you came this morning? All right. Wow. What a prayer. What a prayer. And it starts off, King David does, by saying, search me and know my heart. And you know why he starts with the heart? Because that's where it all begins. It all begins in our heart. What does that mean? Well, Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above everything else you do. Proverbs says, guard your heart because it determines the course of your life. In the Hebrew language, the word heart has many different contexts. And one of those is like a way that we would use the word heart. Like that person did that with all of their heart. See, we understand that, right? We, we know, we know what, what, what that language means. Or maybe this expression, you know what? My heart just wasn't in it any longer, right? We understand that. Um, it also entails the mind or the intellect. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks within himself or in his heart, so he is. It also deals with the emotions. Uh, it speaks of Hannah and how she rejoiced in her heart at the news of having a child, right? So, so we get that. Man, I, man I, I gave it my whole heart. Or, you know, man, I... I I, 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 was, I was worshiping with all of my heart. Oh, man, man, my heart just rejoiced. Okay, we get that language, right? All that is mixed up in, into, into what it means. Now, you might be thinking, okay, great, no problem. I've got a good heart. In fact, I believe that people are basically all good. All right, if that's true, then what's the description or how would you say, well, why would you... Why would, what would be your response to why there's so much evil in the world? Um, what's the true source? Every worldview, every belief system has to answer the question of evil that's in the world. Okay, let's make it personal. Um, can I get you to raise your hand in just a moment here on this question? You're not answering. Okay, I'll say that's yes. How many of you guys have ever lied? Doesn't matter how small it is. Doesn't matter ever. How many of you guys are lying right now because you didn't raise your hand? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. How many of you ever stole anything? Doesn't matter the value. Prayer time afterwards. How many, how many have ever looked at someone with lust in your heart? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> uh, some brother was like, you got me on that one, Pastor. You got me, yeah. Um, 
Okay, so by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving adulterer. Right? If God is a righteous judge and he deals with our sin, even the smallest one, because sin cannot be in his presence, how in the world could we possibly enter into, go to the place where he is and stand with him? How could we ever be accepted by him because the Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. We've all missed the mark. So it turns out that we're basically not good. I know, I know. Genesis 6, 5 speaks of a time on the, on the planet when the, every intent of the thoughts of people was on evil only. And then Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Come on, Jeremiah, lighten up. But it's the word of the Lord and it's reality. It really is. You know, when I, when I first became a, I started coming to church, you know, because a friend of mine tricked me to coming. No, actually, I tricked myself into it, but anyway, long story, but, but, you know, I, I, pro- I thought I was a pretty good guy. Like, I thought, like, you know, I, well, I might help someone in need or, you know, I might, you know, do the right thing every once in a while. I mean, what makes it right? Well, in my own mind, in my own heart, what I consider right was right. There were things that I did that were not right, but they were okay for me, according to God's standard. And as I just began to hear the word of the Lord, I began to realize, man, come on. Man, I'm not that bad. I'm not compared to those people over there. Those are bad people. I'm not like that. Man, I'm okay. And, 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 I, and I realized, man, I wasn't okay. That I violated God's statutes all the time. Yeah, I was a lying, thieving adulterer. And, and then I was prideful and on and on and on. It was like this understanding that, man, man, I'm, I think I'm okay. But, man, this tells me my heart is kind of messed up. And then you know what? Once I... I came to a point where I go, you know what? It's true. I realize it. That, yeah, it, it, my, my heart is messed up. It, my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And oh, by the way, our heart determines our behavior. doesn't matter. Angry, anger, immorality, gossip, slander, you name it. It comes from the heart. And so David starts with the heart. And he, got, he says, God, search my heart, oh God. Search me and know me. Test my heart. Jesus said, out of the fullness, the overflow or the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know why someone just said what they said, oh, it came from the heart. You know, and it's like, I can't believe you said that. Oh, I didn't mean it. No, I'm sorry. No, you said it. And, and, and somehow, intuitively, we know that, man, you wouldn't have said that if it wasn't in your heart. Now, I get it. Sometimes we put our foot in our mouth, and we truly are sorry, and we really don't mean it. I mean, I get that, too. But out of this overflow in here, we speak. Our heart determines our behavior. So here's the hard, cold facts. That without Christ, our heart is not good. It's not. We violate God's law naturally all the time. It's in our DNA. And we lie to others and we lie to ourselves. And we, we say things like, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I wasn't really a lie. It was more like a white lie. 
What is a white lie? Where did that even come from? I mean, like, and I'm not, I'm not prideful. Like, I think I'm the most humblest guy around, okay? Or you know what? I, I, don't, I don't have a lust issue. I just appreciate God's creation. I appreciate it. I'm not materialistic. I just enjoy the finer things in life. I'm not a gossip. I just love to share prayer requests with other people about those sins that other people have or are troubled with. I'm not rude and obnoxious. I just tell it straight. Asking God to search our heart is not so that he can be educated to where we are. So we say, Lord, search our heart. Search me, O God. Know my heart for our benefit. Because we don't always know what's in there. We're asking him to reveal our heart to us. And you know what, guys? It can be ugly. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord is waiting for us to ask him to reveal our hearts to us so that we can walk with him on that journey to change. His will is for us to look more like Jesus and asking him to reveal our heart will bring us into a deeper relationship with him. That's his will. Wow. And so David starts at the core of who he is. And he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Wow. Is that powerful? All right. Then he moves on from there in verse 23. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. So he starts with the heart and then he goes to the mind or the thoughts, right? Well, uh, know my anxious thoughts. What, what are you anxious about? David asked the Lord to show him those things that he was anxious about. Why did he ask him that? Because if we can identify what we're anxious about, that tells us where we'll need strength and faith. For Davy, David... Davy. Maybe it was his enemies who were dogging him. But in our lives, what makes you anxious? Man, who? Maybe the news? Maybe it's just the new levels of division that are in our nation? Maybe it's your job situation? Maybe it's not having enough to pay your bills? There's an article in uh, well, uh, uh, it was online. Uh, career builder, Mike Irwin, uh, a career builder, executive said this, eight out of 10 Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and living paycheck to paycheck is the new way of life for U.S. workers. Wow, boy, anxiety, fear. Maybe it's fear of the future. What makes you anxious? Fearful. I can tell you what makes me anxious or fearful, fear of failure, fear of failure, that doesn't work out, and you know what, fear of what other people will think if I fail, and that makes me anxious sometimes, I battle that, I do, 
So when that fear comes upon me and I sense it, what do I do? You know, I give into it or I become anxious over it and I fret over it or it moves me to action. First of all, I identify it. I go, man, that's fear. That's fear creeping up in me big time. What am I so afraid of? Lord, Lord, what? T- know my anxious thought right now. What's got me so anxious? All right, identify it. And then I, for me, and it's just me, I got to deal with it right away. Because you know what I find in my life? If anxiety or fear creeps in, then what happens next is procrastination. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I just won't deal with it. And you know what I found? Is when I procrastinate, things get worse. So I have to identify it, and then I have to deal with it right away. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this. This is the Amplified Bible. Do not fret or have anxiety about What does that word say? Anything. Whoa, man. Paul the Apostle wrote this on on lockdown in prison. And he goes, I ain't sweating it. Don't be, you know, in fact, don't be anxious or worried about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, right, by prayer and petition, which are definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Continue that circle. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. And God's grace, uh, God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of the soul, assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with this earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts. Where did David say it all begins? In the heart. And then next, David says, the mind, where he says, know my anxious thought. Isn't that interesting how that blends together? And so asking God to reveal these things to you is a dangerous prayer because he will. But it doesn't stop there. Turns out he wants to deal with that anxiety. He wants to fill you with faith so that you can walk and so that I can walk in freedom from those things. So he goes on in verse 24 and he says, Point out anything that in me that offends me. So I liken this to the heart, and then the mind, and then the actions. Isn't that great? Because it starts here, and then it infiltrates here, and it manifests itself in my actions. He says, point out anything in me that offends you. Woo! Whoa! Is that a dangerous prayer? Wow! Lord, where am I off track? And that, and that word for offend means pain, sorrowful, idolatry, wicked or hurtful. Lord, point out anything in me that's painful to you, that makes you sorrowful, that, that, that has become an idol, uh, that, that is wicked in me or hurtful. You know what? Another way to say this is, Lord, what are my blind spots? Do you know what a blind spot is? A blind spot is when you're driving in your car and you go, oh, I didn't see that because there's something that's obstructing your view. And guess what? We all have blind spots. We all do. Here's the thing about blind spots. Most of us don't know we have them, but everybody else does. And from time to time, they will point them out to us. Do you have anyone in your life who will point out your blind spots? 
who will say to you in love, you know what, sister, I think that this is an issue for you. No, I think, no, hear me out. I think it is. I don't think you see it. I don't think you see this, but yeah, we've been talking about it. We all agree. It's a, no, no, not, that's gossip. No, you know, wow. Do you have anyone in your life that will speak truth to you like that? Woo. Do you listen to them? Do you get defensive? That's not a blind spot. You're just jealous. No, you're not even hearing me, bro. It's an issue. No, no, no. Ooh, man. Is it hard to receive that? Oh, it's criticism. Is it always? I don't know. It, it might be, but it might also be someone that you're in relationship with that you, that, that you're, that, that, that's just trying to speak truth into your life. You know what? That's why, you know, Sunday, uh, yesterday was all about using your gifts. It's all about serving God. We have three components here. Connect, Sunday service, grow, uh, which is our light group scenario, and serve. Yesterday was all about serve because we believe that we should be growing in our gifts and serving to greater degrees in our gift. We believe in that. But also we believe that we should be connected together through grow. And how do we do that? Through light groups, through small groups. You know what? Are you a part of a light group here at Living Grace? That's a vital part of who we are. And a part of the reason is that there are things that happen there that are really, really good. There's accountability. There's trust. There's vulnerability. There are people who can pray for you. Uh, you, can, you can connect with others. Um, and James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you're not connected, dynamically connected with someone in the body of Christ, who are you confessing your sins to? There, there has to be someone, there has to be a small group. And, and I would just, just encourage you, like, if you're not a part of a light group, you know what? Start now. Go back and sign up for our series that we're doing. Uh, uh, September 10th, it, it starts on, on covenant. Get connected. Get connected. And there, there's, there's great things that happen at those groups. And, and even if you just, well, I don't know, but you can do eight weeks, can't you? You know, give or take, there'll be different days of the week and different places and different times. And so you can do that. You can do that, right? Can you do that? Yes. I know because some of y'all are already in light groups. You're like, yeah, I can do it. I plan on doing it. No, no. For those of you who are not involved, you can do that. So when someone speaks that truth to you. Do you receive it? Do you deny it? Um, are you defensive? The old preacher, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, used to say this, let repetition be reinforcement. Is it something that you're hearing again and again? Are there things that the Lord is repeating, keeps coming up because he wants to deal with it? And for some you know what that issue is. It, you know, you, you don't even really have to pray about it. Lord, point out anything in me that offends you. And it's like, I already know what that is. Listen, God wants to deal with it so you can walk in freedom. And he wants it out in the light. But we conceal things so nobody knows. And I'm not dealing with this. And until it comes out into the light, it can't be dealt with. And it's so that we would walk close to him and we would walk in freedom. And then verse 24, as we conclude, this is what he says. He goes, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Isn't that great? God, search my heart. See if there's anything in there. God, my thoughts, my mind. Lord.
Lord and, 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 and see you know, if, there's, if there's anything that I'm doing that's offensive to you. And, but it doesn't stop there because God never stops there. He doesn't just point out things for the point, okay, there you go, you're a mess. And he turns and walks off. No, no, then it's the next part. There is, verse 24 says, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lord, lead me. God always has a purpose for everything that he does. His purposes are always redemptive. He, he shows things and he, he brings things to the light so that they can be dealt with, so we can draw, draw near to him, be closer to him. He's transforming our character, and he does that because he loves us. Not just to show us how miserable we are, but lead us into that path of freedom. Lead us in the path of greater mercy and grace. Psalm 143 says this, verse 10, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. I like that. So I want to leave you with this last scripture in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul the Apostle is giving a summary of the church at Ephesus and where they were and how far they had come. So he talks about their past, their present, and their future. In chapter 2 he says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you were spiritually dead. You were. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. How many of you can relate to that? Yep, I remember those days. He is the spirit at work. Where? In the hearts. Where does it all begin? In the hearts. So, He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. If someone refuses to obey God, it's because their eyes are blinded. It's because the spirit of this world, the devil and his minions, have them blinded. And he's at work in their hearts. So we pray for liberation and freedom of their hearts. Verse 3, all of us, everybody say all. I love it. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Can you say amen to that? Yes, of course. Why would we live any other way? Right? By your very nature, you are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Oh, but verse 4. Everybody say, but God. Oh, I love the but gods in the New Testament. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were what? dead because of our sins he gave us what life when he raised christ from the dead it is only by god's grace that you have been saved oh i love that see god wants to do that work in our hearts god wants to god wants to i wonder i wonder i wonder how many would pray the prayer of david in psalm 139 oh i wonder i wonder i don't know like every day like every day. Man, I want to do that. I do. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about it. <laughs> you know, and I've prayed it before, but whoa. But I, I want to pray that. I, I, I want to. Um, every day, I want to pray that prayer and just hear and receive. And, and I've been, actually. And it's like, whoa, man. Um, I want to take the time to listen to because it's easy to pray the prayer and say, okay, got to go. I was like, whoa, you didn't stick around for the appointment. We just were getting, oh, wow, wow. Is that good? Is that a dangerous prayer? But is that a prayer that we can pray? Is that a prayer that we can pray? We can, we can. Lord Jesus, 
um, I'm reminded of the man that you asked him a simple question about a healing that he needed so desperately. You said, do you believe? And he said, yes, I believe. And then you said, let it be done according to your faith. Lord, we believe. We believe. Lord, we, we ask you for that cleansing work in our hearts and minds. Lord, that you would wash us anew and afresh. Lord, that, that you would cause us to draw near to you. And we, we agree with, with, with David, the king, who said, God, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Oh God, for anyone here that has never asked you for forgiveness of sins, that who maybe for the first time would say, man, my, I know my heart's not right with God. I know it because there's something deep in the core, my heart that tells me that. I agree with the word of the Lord this morning. And maybe even for the first time, you would say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Lord, I, I, I want to be, I want to walk with you. And I, I, I realize that you've always been there for me and that I'm here today because of you. But I've never really surrendered my heart to you. But I do that today and I ask forgiveness of my sins. Is that anybody in this place? Would you lift your hand up if that's you? If you're just in agreement with that prayer, God, I need that. Anybody at all? I want to give you an opportunity. I see your hand in the back. Amen, brother. Yeah, absolutely. God knows. God knows. God knows. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Let's all stand together, shall we? God, we pray for those who responded to your grace and mercy today. Lord, that you would strengthen them in their battle and in their journey. God, do that work that only you can do. And Lord, we surrender to you now. And we say, oh God, have your way. Lord, teach us your ways. We want to be like Jesus. And if you're in agreement with that, would you say amen? amen. In the name of Jesus. Y'all are dismissed. Go back here and sign up.